the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Hey, uh, is Labor Day weekend next weekend? A week from Friday starts Labor Day weekend. Wow. Man, the midterms, uh, they're almost here. Two and a half months. Time goes so fast. I know everybody says it, but it's true. I am feeling it, uh, feeling it big time, uh, in part because I have a little baby now, and they're growing up babies, and they grow up so fast. I'm, for the first time, really having conversations with her, sitting down on the couch, discussing things, uh, primarily at this point, helicopters. She's very fascinated by helicopters, blue helicopters, especially. She wants to see a blue helicopter, not a gray helicopter, a blue helicopter, uh, do you hear about a special master? They want a special master to get involved in this Mar-a-Lago thing. It sounds almost like a, I don't know, it has a sort of an S&M connotation to it, a special master. But you need a special master to come in and make sure everything's on the up and up with this um, FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Uh, something tells me, um, well, I know it's not on the up and up. This is a this is a dishonest attempt at a dishonest distraction. And uh, what do they want to distract us from, the mainstream media? And such a key part of this, really, is what the mainstream media are talking about. And I can fall prey to this myself. If you talk about that other stuff, uh, you know, the nitnoid details of uh, the affidavit or the search warrant, uh, that's where they want us. That's where they want our attention, at least those in the media, because... Well, you make a lot of noise about it, and somehow that seems to be the big issue. And suddenly, what doesn't seem to be the big issue? Uh, Well, how about crime? How about inflation? How about gas prices, the border, Uh, Afghanistan, Um, the invasion of Ukraine? That wouldn't have happened if Trump was still there. The supply chain that is all still screwed up. Uh, Transportation, cops being killed, crazy woke nonsense in class, transgender nonsense. That's what they want to distract people from because they know, Democrats, they know that's not a winning formula, all right? That is a, that's a recipe for disaster. And, well, here's the evidence. Joe Biden is essentially in hiding. He is hiding, just like he did during the campaign. Actually, he seems like a man about town uh, in the campaign compared to what he is now. Remember those basement appearances? Now he's not even bothering. Such contempt. Such contempt for the American people. I guess he's just not that into us. Where is he? He goes from one vacation in South Carolina to another vacation in Delaware. They're keeping him under wraps. They're keeping him uh, off the stage because they know he is a just another disaster waiting to happen. I mean, literally, you put him out there, something awful is going to happen. He's going to fall down. He's going to fall off his bike. He's going to say something ridiculous. He's going to say something contrary to American policy. He'll send stock markets uh, uh, plunging. This is what happens with a maniac. Well, not a maniac. Uh, what What is he? What's a good way to describe Joe Biden? Um, well, <laughs> number one, he's a crook. He is a crook. Absolutely. This is crooked stuff. No doubt about it. Well, I have yet to see the evidence. Oh, yeah? How about his very existence? All right? Just look at the guy. Look at where he's lived. Look at his family. Look at what they've done. Look at what they haven't done. 
Uh, nobody over there has had a real job. They have all been professional um, sons of a senator, uh, brothers of a senator, a sister of a senator, then a vice president, now a president. And uh, it's awkward because this is kind of you know, they got to be even more creative to make money at a time like this because there is more scrutiny. At least there should be. And that's why they came up with the that crazy art scheme. Did you guys hear? Oh, I, I think I mentioned this yesterday, but it's gathering it's gathering some momentum. This story. They are changing the name of the Thomas Jefferson High School in South Orange in honor of some woman named Delia Bolden. Thomas Jefferson, okay? Did you know Thomas Jefferson invented the polygraph? Did he really? The lie detector machine? <laughs> he also wrote the Declaration of Independence. He was an architect. He was an all-around genius. And they are erasing him from Thomas Jefferson Elementary School in favor of Delia Bolden. Delia. Now, what did she do? All we know for sure is that she graduated from high school in 1912. Congratulations. Now, she did it as a black woman in New Jersey in 1912, and I guess that was not uh, as not as commonplace as it should have been. All right? Yes, we know about our history. and when There were grave mistakes made, not only in America, but throughout the world. And Delia Bolden came out on graduation day and gave a big speech about race relations and how it's all screwed up. And uh, she also came out against interracial marriage. <laughs> as long as we're erasing people and canceling people, that's kind of interesting. All right. Interracial marriage. Is there a problem with that? Yeah. In 1912, there was. But uh, and that's this is all we know about her. That's it. She gave a speech and she graduated from high school. Goodbye, Thomas Jefferson. Yes, I know you were a founding father, all that stuff. They don't even want to say you're a father anymore. You're a slave owner. That's it. A criminal. And you should not be acknowledged. You know what's going to happen next? They're going to dismantle those um, those great, big, beautiful memorials in Washington, D.C. They are going to probably dismantle them or put up great, big, woke counter memorials right next door. All right? Right next to balance it out. Or everywhere you look inside the Jefferson Memorial will be some something telling you what a racist he was, what a bad guy he was. All right. Uh, just horrible, this revisionism. It's uh, it's depressing if you let it uh, if you let it bother you. But I do think we're going to be OK because or, or are we actually the midterms have me a little bit concerned. That guy Jim called last week. I know they're uh, they are changing the subject. They want to get away from their hideously failed uh, agenda, which, let's be honest, they kind of want it to be this way. They want it to be this way. That's why I think this Mar-a-Lago raid was really, this is a very sophisticated psyops, psychological operations. And they had this, they had this planned a long time ago. You know, they want inflation. They really do. And they want no borders. Uh, they wanted to leave Afghanistan in a hurry. They directly gave signals to Ukraine, come on in, we're not going to do anything. Um, supply chain, they're not fixing this stuff. They want it to be so bad that they can throw it all out and replace it with socialism. I really believe that. It signs all over the place. So now, come election time, that's awkward. <laughs> Their agenda becomes awkward. So it is Operation Change the Subject, uh, January 6th, even more January 6th hearings in September. 
more Liz Cheney. Can you believe that? Hey, where is a guy like Gerald Ford? Man, oh, man, oh, man. Gerald Ford. Um, I haven't thought about him in a while. Michael Goodwin mentioned him the other day. Gerald Ford was the 38th president of the United States. Remember, he wasn't elected. He wasn't elected even vice president. He was a member of Congress, and he replaced a sitting vice president who had to resign. Spiro Agnew had to quit because they got him red-handed, taking bribes in the parking lot. Uh, Even as vice president, he was accepting cash. Uh, He has started mastering the art of corruption when he was governor of uh, Maryland, I think. Yeah, Spiro Agnew. Anyway, he had to quit. So there was a vacancy, and they gave it to... Gerald Ford, because he was basically uh, kind of a Dudley Do-Right. And you know what? Let's hear it for Dudley Do-Rights, because Gerald Ford did right. Um, After Nixon left office, Gerald Ford is the president, and he pardoned Nixon. He issued a pardon. Now, he was crucified for that, and he probably lost his uh, own election in, when did he run? It must have been 1976, to Jimmy Carter, in part because of the pardon. But I think it was probably his finest moment. And it's not totally analogous, but Joe Biden could really learn something from Gerald Ford, the spirit of Gerald Ford, his generousness, his decency, generosity, his decency. He was a decent man. Listen to this. Could you imagine Joe Biden speaking like this? Cut 19. The facts, as I see them, are that a former president of the United States, instead of enjoying equal treatment with any other citizen accused of violating the law, would be cruelly and excessively penalized either in preserving the presumption of his innocence or in obtaining a speedy determination of his guilt in order to repay a legal debt to society. During this long period of delay and potential litigation, ugly passions would again be aroused, and our people would again be polarized in their opinions. And the credibility of our free institutions of government would again be challenged at home and abroad. Yep, damn right, Gerald Ford. Just like today, all right, there's polarization, the passions have all been inflamed, and our institutions, they're losing credibility with half the country, at least, at least, and not just because they've done something unpopular, I think they've done something corrupt. Gerald Ford acknowledged all this and said, we have to, we have to give Nixon a break. Now, at, on a lower level, I think the same thing applies to Trump, this obsession that the Biden administration has with him, that the mainstream media has with him. Again, Gerald Ford back in 1974. This is September of 1974. More. Cut 20. As president, my primary concern must always be the greatest good of all the people of the United States. Stop. Can you imagine that today? The greatest good of all the people of the United States. Wow. I do believe that I I know Donald Trump at times seemed like he was off the wall, this and that and the other thing. But his actions were truly geared toward the greatest good for the United States. Really. Keeping this country intact. This is a good country. And Joe Biden is out to destroy it. Absolutely. And why is he helping? Well, I think he's 
I know he's compromised. He's going along with it. And he's owned by China. And who the hell knows who knows what about him in Ukraine? How about that? The greatest good for the United States. A little bit more from Gerald Ford. Same quote. Whose servant I am. As a man, my first consideration is to be true to my own convictions and my own conscience. My conscience tells me clearly and certainly that I cannot prolong the bad dreams that continue to reopen a chapter that is closed. My conscience tells me that only I, as president, have the constitutional power to firmly shut and seal this book. My conscience tells me it is my duty not merely to proclaim domestic tranquility, but to use every means that I have to ensure it. Wow. To ensure it. To ensure domestic tranquility. It's not just a a line in a song. This man was doing things, working for it, and taking heat. Taking heat from the press, from Democrats, as he tried to ensure domestic tranquility. And here's the part. Here's my favorite part. He speaks about God and our duties and his duty. Listen to this. Can you imagine a president today, Joe Biden, speaking like this? Unfortunately, no. Cut 21. I do believe with all my heart and mind and spirit that I, not as president, but as a humble servant of God, will receive justice without mercy if I fail to show mercy. Isn't that wild? Isn't that great? What a wonderful reminder. Meanwhile, (laughs) how's this for showing mercy? Joe Biden telling ghost stories. Cut 22. Speared, sprayed, stomped on, brutalized, and lives were lost. And for three hours, the defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours, dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage. All right, enough. It's happened a year and a half ago. Relax. We've seen plenty of riots, all right? You compare the word. He's trying to... Stir the pot, Joe Biden, right? He's trying to disrupt domestic tranquility, not ensure it. And he's sure as hell not capable of mercy. Have you ever heard him say anything like that? I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, this is supposed to be a tough story on Eric Adams, and it just might be. I glanced at it this morning. Eric Adams, after dark, where does Eric Adams go at night? Now, it's the New York Times, so they, they, they beat around the bush a fair amount. Eric Adams, as you know, is a party boy, okay, has no interest in hard work, has no ability to uh, actually perform hard work or make tough decisions. He does not know. He does not know anything. I told you guys about him. Oh, but he says the right things about crime. No, he doesn't. He, all right? He knows how to fool certain people. He figures out what people want to hear, and he tells them it, but he has no And then he'll tell somebody else exactly what they want to hear. If it's opposite, no problem. But he has no ability, no record, nothing. 
This job is way too big for him. Remember, he came from uh, Manhattan Borough President. Manhattan Borough President. You know what that is? No, I'm sorry. Brooklyn Borough President. That's a... it's like it's like working at the Chamber of Commerce as a volunteer. You do nothing, no responsibility whatsoever. Uh, the other mayor, who was Manhattan Borough President, that was David Dinkins, and actually back then that was a competitive uh, election. You had to you had real power there. You had the vote on the board of estimate. It was a real job, and people wanted it. Nobody wants to be a borough president these days, other than a broken down nowhere politician like Eric Adams. And I think he became borough president. Get You know how many people ran against him? Zero. Okay? Nobody wanted the job. If you really want to be Brooklyn borough president, move there. Uh, quite frankly, these days it might be tough if you're not a person of color, but whatever. Um, these jobs are, uh, well, they're there. It's no big deal. Before that, he was a state senator. I think he ran for that unopposed as well. Do you really want to spend half your time in Albany? No. Nobody wants to go up there and live that kind of life, all right? So, uh, but Eric Eric convinced himself that this was a way to become mayor, and he thought that, no, I don't think he actually thought this, but uh, his time arrived in 2021 in that the standards went totally out the window. Everybody's checked out, smoking weed, fixated on Trump, that they've taken their eye off the ball here in New York. And this guy, on the last day of school, how is it that we have a primary on the last day of school, huh? How about that? You think they want voter turnout? They want people to come out and vote? They don't. All right, so here we go. Before he took office, this is in the New York Times, by two women. Two women. Now, one of them I know is a white female, and they are, especially when they're liberals, like at the New York Times, they really have to tread carefully when, um, when they're writing about Eric Adams, when they're writing about a person of color. Now, I'm kind of curious. Let's see here. Hold on before I go there. Um, And this stuff is applicable. Believe me. Now, Jasmine Hughes, she writes it with her. Do me a favor. Is Jasmine Jasmine Hughes, Jasmine, Jasmine, J-A-Z-M-I-N-E? I'm kind of curious about what she looks like. Okay, I'll get back to that in a moment. All right, here we go. New York Times. Uh, Eric Adams, After Dark, A Private Table and tarnished friends. New York's mayor vowed to boost nightlife establishments in every corner of the city. But again and again, he returns to the same spot, run by friends with troubled pasts. Okay. Before he took office, Eric Adams vowed to boost New York City's nightlife as both the mayor and a very active participant visiting venues from Staten Island to Queens, showing up personally to restore the vibrancy of an industry crushed by COVID. Mr. Adams has indeed become a fixture after dark visiting destinations around the city. But a curious and unmistakable pattern has also emerged. Again and again, he returns to the same upscale restaurant. There, he slips behind a frosted glass partition to a private table where he holds court while the restaurant stays open until he leaves, sometimes well after its official closing time. The restaurant, Asteria La Baia, is run by Mr. Adams's close friends, uh, two guys named Robert and Zahn, twin brothers whose businesses Mr. Adams has supported despite the brothers' past felony convictions, outstanding tax debts, and a trail of legal troubles. In June alone, Mr. Adams visited La Baia on at least 14 evenings, <laughs> according to the New York Times reporters who observed his nighttime outings, of which there were at least 22 that month. At La Baia, 
Entrees range in price from $30 to over $60. The Times reporters never observed him paying for his meals. In response to questions from the Times, a spokesman said the mayor personally pays the bill to the restaurant monthly. Oh, he's got a tab. But the spokesman declined to provide receipts, and the restaurant's operators did not respond to emails seeking any documents that would support the mayor's claim. If the mayor has failed to pay for his meals, he could have violated the city's ethics rules, Watchdog said. Public servants are explicitly barred from accepting gifts worth $50 or more from city vendors, a rule that would not apply to La Baia and the brothers. But the city's Conflicts of Interest Board advises public officials not to accept any valuable gifts that are given to them because of their positions. Uh, the mayor's pattern also raises questions about who gets access to him. All right. Not at them beating around the bush a little bit less than I thought. Good for them. More when I come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I'll get to my baby in just a moment. Yes, I'm recording her every single day. Her progress, although what is up with a two-year-old? My wife puts a beautiful breakfast right in front of her, and what does she do? She takes the bowl and throws it on the ground. Now, she's two and a half, the terrible twos, right? This is the heart of it. This is where they just act up. I mean, she's not going to be like this forever, right? I mean, this is, I mean, she's beautiful. We love her, and she's so sweet, but sometimes, what a little tyrant. Who does that? Who does that? I guess uh, two-year-olds do that. Uh, it's 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 not a big deal, right? Please. I hope it's not a big deal. All right. So, hey, the mayor's got a problem here because, well, he's uh, he's an amateur. He doesn't understand this stuff. OK, he just he's he's new to all this. No idea. Has never run with the big boys before. Always, you know, just a, you know, a cop who you know what they call them? You know what they call them in the police department? A house mouse. I love that. A house mouse stays in the precinct house, doesn't go anywhere. A house mouse. And always, you know, just hanging around with Al Sharpton and causing trouble. I mean, causing trouble. He joined the police department not to help the community, not to catch bad guys, but to, uh, what did he say? Infuriate people. He, he wanted to be an irritant. All right, so uh, he's going to a restaurant, and it's making some people angry. If you have a restaurant right near this one, and the mayor's always talking about it, talking it up, talking about one restaurant that's owned by his friends that probably aren't even charging him anything, that's kind of an issue. If you're in the restaurant business, let's see here. Uh, So he socializes with the guys, the brothers at the restaurant, and he also does business there. Who shows up? Bill de Blasio? Uh, Governor Cuomo <laughs> and some guy named Dylan Dennis, who's uh, good at martial arts. Although he describes himself as a vegan, Mr. Adams has uh, has the fish there often. Some guy named Maxwell Young, a spokesman for the mayor, said Mr. Adams conducts both business and personal meetings at La Baia. Of course, there is nothing wrong with talking city business at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. You know, we have City Hall. We have City Hall. That's where we can keep an eye on you and people who come and go. You know who tried a little creepy trick like this? De Blasio. Remember that cafe in Brooklyn? Why did he want to do that? Why would he go there? Why would he go there? Not observed? Why would he go for long walks in a cemetery by himself? What a strange guy. 
Um, all right, so he's hanging around with these uh, Labayev brothers. Is that their name? Guess what? They pleaded guilty to felony charges in 2014 after being accused in a money laundering scheme, and they have a long record of unpaid tax bills and lawsuits. Hey, yeah, sure. Uh, the mayor should be hanging around with these guys 22 nights out of the month. What? The 40-year-old twin brothers, who had previously operated businesses in Brooklyn, launched their Manhattan restaurant just weeks after the mayor was elected. Huh. Mr. Adams's frequent appearances at and promotion of the restaurant have boosted its reputation in nightlife columns and social media. Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of posts of him all over the place at La Baia. After dining at La Baia's grand opening in November, Mr. Adams, 61, gushed over the phone to a New York Post reporter. It's a great restaurant, he told the Post. The behavior raises ethical questions, said Richard Brilfault, the chairman, former chairman of the Conflicts of Interest Board. It doesn't matter what his intentions are, he says. Whether he is giving them free advertising because he's getting free meals, the fact that he is boosting them is a benefit to them, and it arguably hurts their competitors, he said. It could undermine the public's confidence and the public's belief that the person in power is using his or her office fairly and impartially to help everybody. You know what he should be doing? Eating bologna sandwiches at his desk or uh, ordering in Chinese. That's what Ed Koch would do. All right, that guy rolled up his sleeves and worked. This guy's lazy, and he's an amateur. In his short time as mayor, Mr. Adams has occasionally waded into murky ethical waters. Again, here they here they tiptoe all around this. After pledging to pay his own way on a trip to Puerto Rico, he acknowledged flying on an entrepreneur's private jet. He later said he paid for his seat but did not provide documentation. The Conflicts of Interest Board ruled that Mr. Adams could not give his brother Bernard a $210,000 a year job as head of mayor's security detail. Bernard Adams was then redirected to an advisor role with a $1 salary. But it makes you wonder, how are they compensating him, huh? I bet they figure it out some way. And late this spring, Mr. Adams put his longtime friend, Timothy Pearson, on the payroll of a nonprofit controlled by the mayor for an undisclosed salary while allowing Mr. Pearson to retain his job as vice president at the city's only casino, a move experts said was ethically questionable. Um, let's see here. He's an unabashed champion. Uh, his press secretary says he visits these venues uh, is at work bright and early every morning, as everyone can see. Can we? What the hell time does he get to work? Everyone can see. Uh, typically, the mayor's motorcade, two black SUVs, pulls up at 9 p.m. outside the restaurant, where the upscale dining room is decorated in muted topes and blonde wood. Uh, the ra- the waiters say that Robert and Zahn Petroscient, that's the name, Petroscience, that they are the owners, although they are both prohibited from holding the restaurant's liquor license because of their felony convictions. Instead, the girlfriend of one of these guys has the liquor license. The twin brothers were accused of conspiring with several other men to launder the proceeds of phony insurance claims through shell companies. What a couple of dirtbags. Zahn was charged in a scheme in 2012, Robert, the year after. According to an indictment filed by federal prosecutors in Brooklyn, uh, Robert owned and managed medical billing companies that received money through false insurance claims, then wrote checks to shell companies 
that falsely purported to supply medical goods and services. Uh, Zahn, who goes by Johnny, cashed checks written to the Shell Company at a check cashing business in Queens. This is so elaborate. In order to conceal the source and ownership of the money and avoid detection by federal authorities. They both pleaded guilty. Uh, Let's see. Sentenced to six months in federal prison, one of them. And the other one got five years on probation. They had to forfeit almost $700,000. Yeah. (laughs) Does he have... And this is... These are the men. It's one thing to help people, you know, who have gone through things and to be there for them as mentors or supporters or give advice. But he's spending 22 nights um, out of the month with these guys. 22 nights out of the month. Let's see. Mr. Adams does not believe in judging people based on the worst mistake they've ever made. Well, it wasn't a one-off thing. It was a, you know, this was like a years-long operation. And I agree, by the way. You know, people are capable of being rehabilitated. But I'm sorry. I think you do that on your own time. This is city time. This is our time. All right? We've got real problems here. And I wish these brothers the best, but it's not our business. It's a private business. The mayor of the city of New York obviously has got something weird with these guys. Uh, Let's see here. Being mayor of New York is intensely stressful, and Bill de Blasio said he believed La Baia had become a place where Mr. Adams could relax. Hey, what about that Gracie Mansion? What about that Gracie Mansion? Can he relax there? It's one of the only houses. It's a it's a mansion. It's a house in New York City with a great big front lawn and backyard and a porch. More than a porch. It's like a veranda. It ra- I've been there a couple of times. I've walked around that place. He can relax there. He can look at the water. <laughs> How about a house with an east side view? A view of the East River. Uh... All right, let's see here. I think when you are the mayor, you need an outlet. Yeah, this is one part to unwind. It's just one part thinking stuff through with people he trusts. Yeah, like these two guys. Very, very strange. Okay, Uh, let me see here. Uh, That continues to be the nature of their relationship, one of friendship and mentorship and support. It's a personal relationship, and there is no business relationship and has never been a business relationship. Just out of uh, the—they're just hanging— with each other out of the goodness of their hearts and mutual admiration, right? No, no. Hey, this is New York, all right? You can't fool us with this crap. (laughs) Let's see here. At the time of their arrest, back to the brothers, the brothers ran a restaurant in Brooklyn, Woodland, at which Mr. Adams was also something of a regular. Mr. Adams, then the Brooklyn Borough president, held fundraisers and parties for staff at the restaurant on Flatbush Avenue in the bustling mix of commercial and residential properties near Barclays Center. But complaints about excessive noise at Woodland mounted and eventually led Mr. Adams to convene a neighborhood meeting in the fall. Uh, There he urged those assembled to give Woodland a fair chance. Give them a chance. Aren't you really supposed to be on the side of the community? Huh? Turn down the music, whatever. Mr. Adams never noted his relationship with the brothers. The restaurant was permitted to keep operating. He never disclosed that he had more than a casual than he was more than a casual patron of the restaurant, said Miss Cahill, who learned of it some years later. She was one of the uh, neighborhood activists. Okay, the brothers have worked together on several other restaurants, leaving a trail of lawsuits and unpaid bills in their wake. The landlords of Forno Rosso, an Italian restaurant in downtown Brooklyn, at which Robert was a manager and guarantor on the lease 
last year sued him and an associate in an effort to recover what they say is more than $500,000 in rent and other costs that went unpaid since April of 2020 while the restaurant continued operating. April 2020, COVID, oh boy, yeah, landlords were really screwed during COVID. They were, they were. All right, goes on and on and on about the brothers. Oh, the brothers have been occasional campaign donors to Mr. Adams. Robert gave his Brooklyn campaign $1,000 in 2013. Johnny gave $1,000 in 2020. Uh, the girlfriend gave $5,000 in April of 2018. It's all pay to play. In any, and by the way, what else was, what else? <laughs> I'd like to know more. I'd like to know about other transactions. Uh, all right, enough of these brothers. Let's get back. Okay, late one night in May, Mr. Adams arrived at Zero Bond to meet with the mayor of Atlanta, Andre Dickens. The two public officials headed for an even more private location, a VIP room unlocked with a fingerprint scanner. For people over the age of 45, membership at Zero Bond, which opened in 2020, requires a $5,000 initiation fee and a $4,000 annual payment. Food and drink are purchased separately. Non-members must be accompanied by a member, and the mayor visits a guest, Mr. Young said, though he did not respond to a question about who hosts Mr. Adams at the club. Wait a second. He's always talking about this club. He's not even a member himself? He's mooching off of somebody? Uh-oh. Hey, now I like Arthur Arthur Idala a lot. He's in this story. Uh-oh. What does he say? Arthur Idala, an attorney and longtime friend of Mr. Adams. I never knew that. What the hell is he doing hanging around with Eric? He defends the mayor. I don't think he feels like going home at 9 o'clock at night and watching whatever is on television. Um, You shouldn't be. Fine. S- stay at the office. Work. Work. This is the biggest job in the world. Hey, People, we knew that the restaurants were cool in New York before Eric Adams showed up, all right? We don't need this kind of ambassador. We know that New York has a thriving nightclub scene. We don't need that. What we need are the homeless off the streets, and we need crime to go down. Mr. Idala said he doubted that the mayor's dining companions would affect policy. All right, he's doing all this stuff. I All right, I'm going to give Eric, I mean, Arthur a pass because I like him. Uh, what about how much money? Who would go out? Who's paying all this stuff? Now, what does the mayor of New York City make? He makes about two hundred thousand dollars a year. After taxes, that's what about a hundred and ten grand. Um, I don't think he's got the money to be doing this. I know he doesn't have the money, the legitimate money. Again, they're beating around the bush here, Mister Adam. All right, you tell me. What do you think, Carl? Carl from the east side. I think this is sounds like dirty stuff to me. Greg, there, um, there's a lot of schmoozing going around with Mr. Adams, Mayor Adams. I think that he's playing this position for everything, everything that he can get out of it. And uh, I can see Gracie Mansion, the limos pulling up every other night. And uh, they close it off. They have the police guarding it. They close off John Finley Walk by the uh, the ferry station. And uh, there's some partying going on with some people going in there. I'd love to know what uh, who's going in there and how much uh, stuff's going on in there. But there's definitely stuff going on. And Mayor Adams is, is, is sure uh, using everything that he can... Uh, Get out of his influence. Well, listen to this. Listen, here he is. Did not. How could you? How could you raise questions about Eric? Give me the first one. I have a favorite restaurant called La Baya. 
Have a favorite restaurant in the Bronx that's owned by Fernando Mateo. Have a favorite restaurant in Brooklyn called Sugar Hill. Have a favorite restaurant all over the city. I mean, this is so silly. <laughs> They're saying that Eric goes out to restaurants. Breaking news. Duh. Yes, I do. And I don't hide in doing it. So the reason they knew I was at La because they stood outside La Baia. I think they were too afraid to go to the South Bronx and stand outside those restaurants. <laughs> well, uh, that's cute. And by the way, duh, what's he making fun of people with uh, with uh, mental uh, deficiencies? I mean, that sounded that didn't sound very nice at all. Well, here's the problem, Eric. It doesn't sound to me like you've been making much time. They go to La Baia. That's where you go. That's where you go. Uh, 14 evenings in one month. 14, you went to La Baia, all right? Not to Sugar Hill, not to that place in the Bronx, which I noticed you didn't mention the name of. Uh, 14 evenings. and tw- <laughs> that's, uh, that's weird. That's weird. People don't do that. Uh, professional people don't do that. I mean, if you're in the restaurant business, maybe, if you're in the nightclub business. What else did he say? I pay every bill, not the city. I pay every bill. And so you say, well, why don't you give receipts? What mayor have you ever asked to get receipts for his private dinners? You can't have a rule for Eric and then a rule for everyone else. Some people allow that. I don't. I owe no one a receipt of a private dinner that I have with people in this city. And I'm not going to start being treated differently, and I won't accept that. Oh, yeah? Uh, Eric, Eric, Eric. Well, it hasn't been an issue. It wasn't an issue with Rudy Giuliani. Okay, it really wasn't. The guy was working too hard. Bloomberg, he had the resources to pay for everything himself. He could buy the restaurant if he wanted to. You don't have those resources. You're on our time, public, private. (laughs) Uh, A little bit too defensive there, and I think there's a hell of a lot more. This is the tip of the iceberg. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Paul Pelosi, uh, husband of Nancy, just pleaded guilty to DUI. No additional jail time after crashing his Porsche in Napa Valley, California, back in May. Daily Mail here, Paul Pelosi, the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, pleaded guilty Tuesday. Uh, TMZ reported Tuesday that Pelosi pleaded guilty to one count of DUI. He was sentenced to three years probation and five days of jail time, getting credit for time served. Uh, oh, I guess he was locked up for, I don't know, 12 hours. How long does it take you to get out of the joint when they arrest you? 12 hours? Uh, Paul Pelosi, excuse me, the husband, he was sentenced to, okay, got that. As part of his probation, the House Speaker's husband has to complete eight hours of court work program and take a three-month drinking and driving course. I don't like the way that sounds. A three-month drinking and driving course. <laughs> Teach you how to do it. Uh, he must also put an ignition interlock device on his vehicle for a year. This guy's worth about fifty, uh, uh, about $250 million. Get a driver. Unless, well, who knows. He was fined 150 bucks. Pelosi was in legal trouble for a May 28th incident in the California wine country. Officers in the California Highway Patrol found Pelosi at 10 at night after he drove his Porsche through a stop sign attempting to cross State Road 29 following a boozy dinner party. He totaled his car and slammed into a 2014 Jeep. 
the guy in the Jeep, I think, was pretty banged up, too. Let's see if there's anything else here. Um, officers said Pelosi's eyes appeared red and white. Hey, this can happen to anybody who drinks, by the way. All right? I'm not taking any pleasure in this or whatever. I, I take no pleasure in this. It's also particularly disturbing to me that at 82, with all that money, uh, the guy's drinking. I mean, I don't know. I just think drinking is a big waste of time. Um, I used to do it. I used to do it big time. I wasted a hell of a lot of time. I haven't touched this stuff in years, uh, five years to be uh, not quite exact, almost five. Let's see here. Uh, Pelosi was en route to the couple's vineyard home. The other driver, 48-year-old Jesus Lopez, had mild injuries from the crash, telling investigators the next day he had soreness in his upper right arm, right shoulder and back, and was suffering from headaches. Pelosi failed a field sobriety test at the scene, and officers described his eyes as red and watery, unsteady on his feet, so they locked him up. Now, let me see. Does this article mention that, he, okay, his blood alcohol was 0.82%, and he had a similar situation all the way back in the 1950s. He was in an accident. He was driving, and his brother was killed. His brother was killed. Um. That's not mentioned in this piece. A lot of folks uh, don't know that. I don't know. I don't know. Sad, actually. Sad. Um, I'm trying to think of an equivalent situation. Uh, I do think it would be a bigger story, don't you? If one of the Trump children got into trouble. Hey, those are the greatest kids in the world. They really are. Um, And it's, I don't know. Sammy, what do you think about this? Sammy, hi. I actually called about, I hate to do this to you, but getting back to Mayor Adams, because I want to, and I say this as a compliment to you, what do you know and when did you know it? Because you predicted this before the election, before the inaugural. About how disastrous Adams would be? Well, you said that you thought that it could be an aborted uh, uh, term for him. And I think that you've been uh, spot on. I, you're right. Look, what did I know and when did I know it? Well, I've known Eric Adams for a long time, for decades, actually. Uh, not well. I'm not a friend or anything like that, but I've been observing him. I've been watching him. And he was in the police department and he was a jerk. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew that. And everybody also knew he was no civil rights champion. He was a ch- just like he is now. He's a champion of his friends trying to get people he knew hooked up with jobs. And when that didn't happen, he'd come out and call you a racist. All right? This is how the guy rolls. It's a bad guy and doesn't know anything. To top it all off, he is stupid. He's a dummy. You got to remember that about him. He's dumb. All right? So when he makes these mistakes, remember, he's an amateur as well. No experience. So, Sammy, thank you for remembering. I did. I warned you guys. However, I don't think you voted for him. You didn't vote for him, did you, Sammy? Nope, I voted for the guy that, that works all the time. Always broadcasting Curtis. Curtis! He really is always brought He's everywhere. All the time. Day, night, weekends, weekdays, prime time, overnight. He's amazing. And uh, I voted for him as well. All right, uh, give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I know, I know, you've heard it all over the place. 
Republicans are losing momentum for the midterms. Oh, they've got to be careful. Now, they do, and uh, maybe we are losing a little bit of momentum. I say we. I'm not a Republican, but quite frankly, I mean, uh, I can't stand the Democrats. Uh, I have a lot of issues with Republicans as well, but when it comes to the issues right now, I'm really hoping that it's a Republican Congress, aren't you? Now, the fake news is trying to distract us from the real important issues, issues like skyrocketing crime, inflation, gas prices, uh, the border out of control, losing in Afghanistan, a war in Ukraine that would not have happened if Donald Trump were still in office. Uh, Let's see the critical race theory, all the woke stuff, transgender rights for children. Uh, Americans don't like any of that stuff. And it is squarely the responsibility of Joe Biden and his cronies and uh Uh, Folks in Congress, it's really, really bad, all avoidable. So those are the those are the root causes, quite frankly, the root causes of of Joe Biden's problems. So they want to change this subject. All right. That is what they've been. It's all this January 6th stuff. It's all uh, raiding Mar-a-Lago, the attorney general's investigation. And I think this really says it all. Liz Cheney, we should never hear from Liz Cheney again. She just lost a primary for the House of Representatives by 35 points, all right? You don't see landslides like that, okay, ever. Uh, But uh, Liz lost bad. And the first thing they do is uh, they put her on national television and brag that she's on the show. Listen to this. This is uh, This Week with George Stephanopoulos, Jonathan Carl filling in, cut 30. This morning, we go one-on-one. Congresswoman Liz Cheney of This Week Exclusive. Coming up, more of my exclusive interview with Liz Cheney. We'll have more of my exclusive interview with Liz Cheney later in the program. And later, more of my exclusive interview with Congresswoman Liz Cheney. Plus, more of my exclusive interview with Liz Cheney up next. He's really excited about that exclusive interview with Liz Cheney. He'd be the only person in the world who would sit through commercials to see Liz Cheney, to hear what we've said a million times before. President Trump is a threat. He did nothing on January 6th. He denied the election. We said it all the time. Uh, and then she's never called out on stuff like this. Like, how far would Liz go? When when Liz Cheney says this, I think this is a threat to democracy. I really do. Cut 31. I have said since January 6th that I will do whatever it takes to ensure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office. And I mean it. And I mean it. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And I mean it. Oh, tough girl. Soccer mom. Tough soccer mom there in Wyoming. Liz Cheney. Uh, she's not going to be uh, living in Wyoming anymore. I'll tell you that. She's out of there. Um How far will she go? Will she break the law? Whatever it takes. I think she'll break the law. I think she's already breaking the law with this crazy January 6th stuff. So (laughs) talk about a threat to democracy, right? All scripted, uh, no witnesses from the other side, no arguments from the other side, no cross-examination. That, that kind of hearing on national, that's a threat to democracy. Half the people in the country don't agree with this crap. And we don't have a voice. Talk about undemocratic. So uh, they're going to keep pushing her and pushing her and pushing her, even though the general public has no use for her. Hey, you know who Chelsea Handler is? Very awful person. She's a comedian, comedian, comedian. And uh, she sits around bragging about all the abortions she's had. She does. Uh, She also talks about mm, smoking pot and drinking in a way that, um, well, 
I think it encourages people with issues to ignore those issues and keep drinking and keep smoking. And that's a problem. I don't like that she's not responsible at all. Um, you know, it's one thing to have a problem, but another thing to to glorify it, to glamorize it, and encourage your followers to drink along with you. Uh, so many things I don't like about this person, and she's, of course, beloved by the left. Now, listen to this. She's talking about one of my favorites, Lauren Boebert, congresswoman from Colorado, Republican, happens to be um, brilliant, self-educated, married mother of five, a gun owner, um, super MAGA, super conservative, and uh, that's fine. The difference is, one of the key differences is, uh, they're both opinionated women, but Lauren Boebert decided to do something about it, run for office and win and make a difference. Chelsea Handler just gets on stage and yells obscenities. Cut 32. Back to women I despise. Congress monster Lauren Boebert of Colorado won her primary last night. I believe Boebert is one of the biggest MAGA morons ever elected to public office, and it's because of comments like this. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is not how our founding fathers intended it. And I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk that's not in the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter, and it means nothing like what they say it does. Okay, well, let's think about that, you dumb be skeptical about getting constitutional law advice from a human tramp stamp. <laughs> they frequently tend to skip right to the Second Amendment. And if you bother to read the First Amendment, the very first words are, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. So it seems pretty clear that the government wants nothing to do with religion. Okay, so she glances at the First Amendment and she knows everything, right? Now, she doesn't know a damn thing, Chelsea Handler. She doesn't know what she's talking about, and Lauren Boebert does. That letter she's referring to, she's actually not referring to the Constitution. She's referring to a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association that some people do believe uh, is his thoughts on separation of church and state and that it's been taken out of context. There is so much in the Federalist Papers uh, from Jefferson, from from Madison. Actually, I'm not sure if Jefferson is in there, but definitely from Madison, from Hamilton, um, and other comments in other places from George Washington, and yes, Thomas Jefferson, about the supremacy of God and how our system does not work, in fact, would not even exist without God. That does not mean we're going to make a an official uh, religion of America or anything like that. The First Amendment is the First Amendment. But guiding everything is God. Look at our money. In God we trust. Look at the national anthem, <laughs> the third stanza or the second stanza that nobody ever sings about our, um, our, our allegiance, our deference, our respect to God. Uh, what else here? There is more. In God we trust. You can see it in the House of Representatives. It's right there. We are servants of God. Now, you don't have to believe that, and there will never be a law passed that says you have to say that or believe that, but it affects essentially everything, and that's okay. And that's actually a good thing, Chelsea Handler. Uh, nasty, nasty person. Of course, who do they who do they side with, huh? Chelsea or Lauren? Now, they hate Lauren. They just hate her. Again, because she's conservative, she's MAGA, she's a gun owner, she's self-educated, she's an amazing speaker. 
a force to be reckoned with. She got herself elected to the House of Representatives. She brings so much to the table, but uh, no, 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 no. They have to disparage her and call her names. Cut 34. The one who's got a criminal record is Lauren Boeber for a series of, like, petty crimes. Lauren Boeber likes to go from outrage to outrage and offense to offense because it's a, it's clickbait. Yeah. And she fundraises out of it. In any other context, Lauren Boebert would just be, like, a bad open mic comedian. Lauren Boebert is in the wrong here, and so are Republicans who are sticking up for her. That last one was, um, what's that person's name? Brianna Keeler, you know, from the Big Breakfast show on CNN. Uh, it looks like they're going to blow that show up, change it all. Uh, they're going to change it big time. Talk about a bad comedian, open mic night. That's Chelsea Handler. And, of course, they love her. They love that she brags about abortion. They love that she has no kids. She's not married. You know what? I had no kids. I wasn't married for the longest time. I know what it's like. It's not that. It's that it's her militant rejection that there might be a higher authority than you. And, well... They love her because they identify her. Cut 33. Chelsea Handler is very witty and has uh, great insights into pop culture. The very funny Chelsea Handler is stopping by. Chelsea Handler is the woman I want in this job. The great Chelsea Handler, a comedian who's getting serious, she says, about certain political issues of privilege. All right. She's getting serious. Lauren Boebert is a serious one. They identify with Chelsea Handler, the left, the mainstream media. And, uh, well... It's kind of sad. It is sad for them. All right. What else did we want to talk about here? I already mentioned the. Uh, uh, all right. You got my baby sound ready? All right. Here she is. Uh, this is Annalise Kelly. She's two years and six months old. Is she at or above grade level? You tell me. Go ahead. Yes. I want to get up. You want to what? I want to get up. Get up from what? The crib? Get up the crib. All right, if I let you up, are you going to be nice? Will you be nice? And it's the phone, all right, recording you. All right, and then the conversation kind of trails off after that. <laughs> Hold on. Sounds like I live in a carnival, right? Um,. Anyways, that's uh, that's Annalise, and, and what she was saying was, I want to get up. I want to get up. And then I said, do you want to get up from the crib? And then she said, crib. So I'm very impressed with her. What do you think? Uh, Mario in Bayside. Yes, hello. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Love the show. Thanks. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah, thanks. I was just talking. You're in luck. I'm a helicopter pilot out in uh, Long Island, and I have a blue helicopter for your daughter to come check out. <laughs> You're a helicopter pilot? No kidding. What What do you do with helicopters? I work for a medevac company out in Long Island. Wow. I also have a personal helicopter that we can bring her up in or take pictures if you want. No kidding. What airport do you fly out of? Iceland. So you're a helicopter pilot, and then you have to you get the people in an accident situation or something like that, and you fly them to the hospital, right? Yeah, we do the inter-facility uh, transfers and... Uh, <clears throat> Most of the time in a facility. And does that mean, uh, do these guys, these hospitals, do they have uh, little landing spots on the roof anymore, or where do they have the landing pad? Yeah, up on the roof. They have them uh, in the parking lots. How, how many hours do you fly a month? On average, about eight hours a week. Eight hours a week. What's it? Uh, where'd you learn how to fly a helicopter? Out at Islip. 
We got a big hangar out there. She loved the helicopters. I know, but where did you where did you learn, and how did you learn? It's expensive. Uh, so how did you how did you become a helicopter pilot? I started in 1999. Uh, I did all the training out at Iceland. I mean, did you just decided one day, and like, how did you do it? I went to the Grand Canyon in '99. Uh, I came back and said, "I want to learn how to do that." Did a helicopter flight out in the Grand Canyon. No kidding. It was okay. just that you said, "I want to be a helicopter pilot." Did you pay your own way initially to learn? Yeah, initially. I started at 35. What do you mean? Oh, 35 yeah. years of age? Five years old, and it took about uh, three years to go from uh, zero to certified flight instructor. Man, uh, were you ever, did you fly a regular plane before that? No, nah, no military, no military uh, background, just all civilian trained. And, and then all- I worked up in the That's really cool. That's really cool. And, uh, uh, what else can we say about helicopter? How fast does it go, your helicopter? About 120 knots. And uh, have you ever had a near miss? Uh, knock on wood, no. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Do you like flying at night? We used to do the tours in Manhattan. That was a lot of fun. But that's where all the near misses would happen. Yeah, yeah, I know. And they they sometimes go down there. All right, well, safe flying. Um you can't take me up. You can't take my daughter up in a helicopter, right? I can't just show up there and go for a ride, can I? You sure can. I have a, a blue helicopter for her, R44. An R44, that Robinson thing? Yeah. It's like a lawnmower that flies, right? Basically. Yeah, I put, I put her in a drone before I put her in one of those things. Oh, my uh, God. What? Good aircraft. Ah. All right, but... but- down to take pictures of the EC-135. No issues. Come down to the hangar. It's blue. Mario, I'm totally intrigued. I'm going to follow up with you, okay? Yeah, no problem. All right, thank you, thank you. We're going to put you on hold, all right? All right, you'll take care of that. There's no way my wife is going to let me take Annalise in a helicopter, but uh, it might be nice to go out there and just look at the helicopter. No kidding. That would be a really cool thing. I'm going to follow up with Mario. I would love to do that. Uh, All right. Am I, am I out of time? It's time. All right, I'll be right back. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Breaking news. Hey, uh, breaking news is right. Just got a little item here. Uh, in the race for governor, Lee Zeldin, the Republican congressman going up against Kathy Hochul, will be endorsed by former police commissioner Ray Kelly tomorrow. Huh. How about that? I think this race is uh, probably just about over for Kathy Hochul. This is a big, big, big thing. Uh, No, actually, I think it is significant, and I think this will help Zeldin a lot. So Ray Kelly is officially, he hasn't done this very often. Uh, You know, in the last time that I know of him doing this, 2001, he came out for Mike Bloomberg. When everybody was saying it was going to be... Mark Green. Remember that guy? Yikes. Thank God he lost. But uh, Ray Kelly uh, went with the winner in 2001, and I think he's about to do it again. Ray Kelly endorsing uh, Lee Zeldin for governor. It'll be official tomorrow. Um, We're joined now by Ray Kelly's daughter-in-law, my wife, (laughs) Judith Gray. Hi. Hi. Did you hear about that great... Do me a favor, unplug that if you don't mind. Pull that out. Now, did you hear I had this guy Mario call 
He lives in Bayside. He's been flying helicopters since uh, 1999. He's really good at it, and he wants to take me and Lisi, our daughter, up for a ride. It's going to be great. I don't know about that. I did have to run this by you. Are you, uh, what do you say? He's been doing it. He does it professionally. He's not just some guy with a hobby. He's been flying medevacs. So, you know, he, you know, sick people and people who are injured, he'll take them right to the hospital. This is a guy who's good. I'm hesitant to say yes. (laughs) Can you just tell everybody about uh, Annalise and how she does like helicopters? She's obsessed. She's like, Dad, let's look at helicopters. I want the blue one. I want the blue one. And if she gets a red one, she gets very upset. She's amazing. But she, uh, I think really what she's trying to say is show me the Harrier jet. Show me the Harrier jet. She just doesn't know how to say it yet. <laughs> well, she doesn't see those too often in the skies around Manhattan. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. All right. So, uh, yeah, no, I get it. We're not going to let her go in the helicopter. But I can, right? You can go in the helicopter as right. long as you don't ride it yourself. He's going to do the flying. That's good. I like it when you bond with listeners. You do? Yes. Well, Mario, it's going to be great. Although part of the deal was uh, Annalise. I mean, he called because, anyway, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'd like to bring her to the airport, though, and maybe take a picture of her in the uh, helicopter. Yes. And Elmo. (laughs) And Elmo. You know, there was a time in my life where I didn't have to ask somebody else for permission for everything that I do. You love it. You love being married. You love all the perks. Coffee upon waking up. Uh, what other perks are there to marriage? Uh, Company. Mm, uh, there are a few other things. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Uh, wait, one other thing. Uh, I do have to talk to you about something. Now, you are running my Twitter account, right? It's okay. People know. You're running my Twitter account. Are you accusing me of hacking your Twitter no, account? No, no, you, <laughs> you, you are in control of it. I do think, after a period of time, sometime this fall, you can give it back to me for a period of time, and we'll see how we do. With all your crazy suggestions, I'm going to reply with one way. In one way, I'm going to say it's a threat to democracy. No. <laughs> it works for the fake news. It's... Anything that happens is a threat to democracy. Me with Twitter is not a threat to democracy. They do say that a lot, though, right? Anyway, seriously, let me have it back and say, like, November. Hey, let me not tell the... you something. I'm going to. Re... You want me to rehash our vows? One, I do. Two, I'm the boss. I'm only delegating this because I like you, okay? And I love you, too. But I'm only oh. delegating it. Because of that, because of personal feelings of uh, fondness. Greg, you've got your hands too full uh, fighting the fake news. Just tell me I can have it back in November for around Thanksgiving for a couple of days. Uh, I Yes. Yes. <laughs> Say yes. I can't commit to anything, but it's open for discussion. All Let's right. talk about it uh, over dinner. Dinner. I don't really see you for dinner anymore. I know. You're getting home very late, like just before lights out. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. All right. Well, all right. Kiss the children for me. I will. I love you. Have a good show. Thank you. Thank Goodbye, you. Thank America. you. Bye, America. Bye. Bye. All right. Let's wait until she goes. Goodbye. Bye, honey. Oh, boy. Did that come off as emasculating? I really do want that thing back. And she really is running it right now. I gave it up. Probably a big mistake, but uh, that's where it is. And uh, it's okay. It's okay. I can live with it.
in the meantime, why don't... Oh, one more denial from Eric. One more denial from Eric. Eric Adams. And he is always calling himself Eric, the third person. Uh, cut four. Now, let me tell you something else that they didn't report. They didn't report when I finished my meals at the restaurant that I go in the subway system to meet the conductors and motormen and ride over them throughout the night to make sure we, we're doing the job we deserve. They didn't report how I go to the areas of the city to make sure what happens during the midnight hours. Stop, if stop, stop, out- stop. I, I heard this before. He wants to be the mayor of the midnight people. Eh, <laughs> this is not... This is this is an amateur talking. All right, this is a big job. It's administrative in nature. Yes, there's a political component to it, but you got to be a manager. He's not. He stinks. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Who remembers uh, Barbizon? Uh, Trained to be a model or just look like one. Remember Barbizon? And you could send away for some sort of booklet, and they would tell you how to be a model or how to look like one. And then I think they had some school, maybe it was at the Technical Career Institute or something like that, and um, you could train to be a model. Uh, Barbizon's no longer around, right? I mean, talk about false advertising. You can't train to be a model. I guess America's top model, that silly show, they also encourage that kind of delusion, uh, but you either got the long legs or the high cheekbones or whatever the hell's in fashion or you're 90 pounds or, you know, there was a time when male models were actually, you know, they were like, remember Brute from Fabergé? Who was the big male model of the 1980s? Uh, Jim Palmer. Remember him, the pitcher? Uh, pretty sharp guy and a good looking guy. And he looked like a man. I'm trying to think of the other ones. Nobody. This is before the era of the supermodel. And, you know, what am I trying to say here? Male, male models look like men, all right? They looked, they were masculine. And then something happened, and they were all these wafy, androgynous, who the hell knows what's going on. This is well before the woke conversation, all the transgender stuff. And um, I don't know why that is. I wonder why it is. And then I do also remember in the 90s, it became very big that uh, female models, you know, whether it was for some product I don't want to name any names because I can't keep track. You know, I don't want to. But, you know, basically household name goods, high-end luxury goods, perfume, outfits, whatever. And they always had the girls pretend making out or canoodling or, you know, like caressing each other. I wasn't complaining, but it was just where did that – why did that become a thing? All, all It happened kind of overnight. If you look back, they weren't doing that before. They used to be like on the tennis court and then all of a sudden they're like – in some booth at a restaurant, canoodling, and one's looking off into space, and the other one's not in, kind of nuzzling. And anyway, um, why do I bring all this up? Because Instagram, I saw this incredible video by a guy named Jim Klug. You can find it on Instagram or on uh, Twitter. Guy's pretty good. I never liked it when Jay Leno went around asking people, "Hey, uh, who lives at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue?" and You know, they didn't know it was the White House, but they all knew where SpongeBob SquarePants lived and the pineapple under the sea. So I I don't like that kind of humor because I just don't. It's kind of mean. And uh, a lot of people put on the spot, you know, they can't even think of their own name. But this guy goes out there and he's like, what's the capital of the United States? And nobody knows. Uh, What country is the Queen of England from? And they don't know. And he's really picking on Gen Z. 
And uh, he's right. He's right. Uh, all these people, Gen Z, and it does kind of older people as well, so fixated on becoming Internet famous and this myth because of the Kardashians who have absolutely no talent. They're not even pretty, quite frankly. I don't know what's going on with them, but somehow they've made a billion dollars. And you can say, look, they got to know something about influence, about marketing, about branding, all that stuff. But it was kind of like lightning, more rare than lightning striking. What is what is it? I mean, a, I, 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 don't, I don't know, a comet hitting the earth or hitting one person. It's just so unbelievably unlikely. Yet we've inspired um, a generation of women and girls and a few dudes, too, that you, too, can be Internet famous and make a billion dollars. Well, you can't. And it's a waste of time. It really is. And there's it also fuels this something for nothing kind of uh, fixation. Nobody wants to do any work. Everybody wants to get high. And now that we've seen you can be famous for nothing. You know, Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh was famous. He did one. <laughs> he didn't post some a viral video. He flew across the Atlantic Ocean, and for a long time, he was the f- most famous man who ever lived, right behind Jesus. He really was. But he did amazing stuff. You don't have to do anything amazing anymore to be famous, and that's dangerous. Christine in Middletown, Connecticut. Hi, Christine. Welcome back. Hi, Greg. Uh, that was so precious with this. Was with your hair and your daughter to speak like that. Mm. Thank you so much. I love her. Well, Can't wait till the other one starts speaking. Madeline, she's only eight months. What else? Well, um, the gender queer book um, that quite that caused quite a stir here in Connecticut about two three weeks ago too, as it appeared in in the children's section at the Greenwich Public Library. So, if anybody hasn't read the gender queer book, I actually have, and it's a basically a comic book, and it's got. Kids with all kinds of questions about sex and daydreams and activities. And one of the scenes, all right, forgive me, hold your ears, children, or whatever, but um, one is wearing a strap-on penis prosthetic, also known as a strap-on dildo, while another person uh, fellates said dildo. Children. And they're talking about... Oh, this is exactly how I dreamed, except it's a little bit different. And, I mean, this is full-on raunchy, who the hell knows what, or I just told you what. And they're encouraging kids to read it. And if you say, I don't think this belongs in the bookstore or in the in the children's library, you're somehow against free speech. That's a little bit about gender queer. Keep going, Christine. Well, you know what? It, it is, you know what? It is wrong, you know, and for someone, I think it's kind of important for some, another trans person like me to speak out against what's going on with this, because this is eventually going to lead to a kid questioning their gender when they go back to school that starts next week. And you watch a school nurse, someone's going to take it upon themselves without the parents knowing they're going to get, they're going to be put on medicine, which could be puberty blockers or HRT because Rachel Levine, that child abuser, okayed this and advocated this. I mean, and this has to stop. And remember who gave Rachel Levine her big shot at being uh, HHS Assistant Secretary Joe Biden, who yeah. in two State of the Union addresses said, to all the transgender kids out there, this president has your back. You know, which is a cheap applause line, because if you really think about what that means from a policy perspective, it means not telling parents about important changes in a child's psychological health 
or even physical health. It's about boys using the girls' room and girls using the boys' room. It's crazy, crazy, un-American stuff. And by the way, and Christine, I'm glad you called because all this stuff about the transgender community, the transgender community wants this. The transgender community believes that. Uh, Well, the transgender community is like any community. There are all kinds of people who live in it, and there are different opinions in it. And Christine, and she just mentioned she's transgender, happens to be conservative and happens to love Trump. And, uh, right, it's very unfair to uh, lump any orientation into one political group, right? I get shredded by the trans community because I'm a MAGA lady. Well... It's uh, not nice and it's not right. And one thing you and I, Christine, have talked about this. I mean, you uh, you made this decision later in life. I believe you were in your 50s. Caitlyn Jenner was, I think, near 60 years old when she finally maybe it would have been nice. Maybe it would have been better if she could do it in her 20s. But I don't think anybody, you, me, no one who cares about children, cares about their fellow person, human being, it should just not be thrust upon kids. And they, why do you think they want to do it? Why are they, why are they talking this up so much as an alternative to children? What's going on there? What's the motivation? I think this is part of their uh, communistic agenda on us to keep people divided. Well, the, the, while they're shoving all these uh, spending bills down our throats, this is their their way of keeping us at each other's throats so we could keep the eye off the prize, their prize. Now, the Chinese, we know, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, they're the developers of TikTok, and a lot of this stuff goes crazy on TikTok. This is a way of dividing us, and yes, <laughs> uh, div- what do they say? Divided we fall? Is that how it goes? What, what, what's the first part of that? United we stand, divided yeah, we divided fall. Divided we fall, and the Democrats, they're not helping our kids. That's another reason they have to be voted out in a couple months. And I think they will be. Christine, thank you very much. This gender queer book. Uh, <laughs> look, if you want to read it, if you're 18, great. But to have that book laying around a kid's library is bad. And I mean really bad. Hey, is this the Naked Cowboy for real? The Naked Cowboy. How are you, pal? All right. No more songs. I want to talk to you. How's it going? I'm doing great, buddy. Um, you're the real deal. We've met several times. Uh, I like you. Yeah. I saw you uh, a couple of months ago out there on the doing the thing with the guitar. How's life? Everything's wonderful. I just, uh, you know, going on 24 years, November, and uh, living the dream. Like you were talking about famous people for no reason. I thought, hey, you're like calling me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, um, can you do us a favor? I believe... You told me once that Tony Robbins, you, you saw Tony Robbins, uh, you went to a seminar. Did he make a real difference in your life? I read Unlimited Power. I didn't go to a seminar, and uh, that was way, way back before I even went to college. And I went from literally the worst kid in my neighborhood to literally just changed my life 100%. He simply said, you know, it's not what you can do, it's what you will do. I started writing goals. I still have those still goals that I read every single day of my life. I have them on my dictaphone right here in my car at all times. I'm literally two to three hours every morning before I go to the gym. I'm at the city from 11 to 6. I, I listen to my dictaphone on the way home. That's right, you know, like 
I Go. got my dictaphone at all times, talking about how I'm the most celebrated entertainer of all time, the richest, most famous man to ever lived, and I could go on all day. Exponential growth of my name, Brandon Edwards. If you watch that movie, uh, I just saw it the other day on the uh, My Guru, Not My Guru. Yeah. Really, really cool stuff. But you see him. He's like, he's just like I just went off. He's like, I always win, never lose, run down the beach, screaming on God's holy son here to deliver light unto the world. And you I mean, nonstop. I mean, I've always... Since I've read that book, and I've read all of his books now, and every other book about self-help, and I mean, I'm just nonstop, 100% positivity, and making planting seeds all day long in the minds of people all over the world. They take a picture, they post it on their Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and I become a millionaire. All right, well done. Many times now, (laughs) this has been. I mean, it's just been the most phenomenal. We have, you know, we have the number one selling oyster in the country, Naked uh, Cowboy Oysters. All right, hold on, hold on. Naked, actually, Naked Cow, I wanted to ask you that. How do people find out about your product? you got to have a website by now, right? What's your website? Well, we're NakedCowboy.com and have been for 25 years. But, uh, you know, you Google Naked Cowboy, I come up on everything. I mean, and I, you, I are, you are basically household name famous. Uh, the entire planet knows who you are, are aware of you, and uh, it's amazing. I didn't know about the multimillionaire part, and you, uh, you're just getting started, it seems like, to me. Hey, can I ask you something? And I love Tony anyway. Robbins. I love Tony Robbins. I like the book. I even know Tony Robbins, and uh, I think he's a force for good. But I will say this. Self-help is great. However, there's another type of help, and I'm just curious because you meet all kinds of people. Um, has anyone ever suggested the Bible? Maybe you've read it. Maybe you know more about it than I uh, do. But uh, forgive me, Naked Cowboy, but um, where are you in your journey uh, of faith? Well, I went to a Catholic school uh, for eight years. I, went to, uh, I didn't go to the high school. Uh, but I've read the Bible. I've I'm read a hero with a thousand faces and the foremost authority on all religions, the comparative religion, Joseph Campbell, and people like that. I've read, you know, other books. But there, for me, in my opinion, I'm more of a Friedrich Nietzsche kind of guy. There are Christians who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We all will kneel down before him. We are, We will never live up to him. We were you know, he is the one and only way to heaven, and those types of people come up and judge you all day long, and I hear that every day, you know, why I can't be a Christian because I'm wearing the same thing as a big-time wrestler or a professional swimmer or anybody else doing something in an outfit that just shines my God-given body to the world. And then there are other Christians like myself who believe that the things I have done you shall do and greater things, uh, or the you know, they also don't accept. They only accept the canonical Gospels. They don't accept, you know, like the Gospel of Thomas, where Jesus speaks nonstop, which the canonical Gospels were written from the Gospel of Thomas, those wisdom sayings. All right, one thing, one thing, I got to, naked cowboy, I would just say this. Um, I I only wanted to know what you think. And a lot of times I ask people, you know, where are they in their journey of faith? And they just tell me about all the Christians they don't like, <laughs> all the Christians that turned them off or disappointed them over the years. For me, it's not about that. It's it's about it's about Jesus. It's about the Bible, not about all the people who have let me down. I respect your knowledge, though, man. You are you are the real deal. You've been at this for a long time. Hey, you are uh, seriously cut up in terms of uh, you know physically. You're just. Uh, you're in great shape. What is your diet and what is your workout, if you don't mind? 
I eat chicken and veggies. I say that to everybody, just that. But, but, you know, like today and every day, I have a big bowl here. I go to a food bazaar. I get two pounds of mixed vegetables, put about three big chicken breasts from the meat counter. I'm eating uh, four or five big scoops of mixed vegetables every meal with as much chicken breast as I can get in my mouth. And uh, I eat about six times a day that exact same thing. I add protein shakes to it to wash it down. Chicken can be egg whites, white fish. You know, a lean meat, uh, like a lean fish, but it's primarily chicken and veggies, but it's lean protein every meal and, and vegetables. Absolutely no fruit, no milk. No, I mean, no, it's just chicken and veggies. I tell people that, and they're like, well, can I do this? No. Chicken <laughs> and can, I, can I eat? You know, and they're like, oh, I had fruit. No, you don't drink. You don't. Fruit is just as bad as drugs. It's, it's wasteful. Fructose goes to your liver, transferred into fatty acids, no matter who you are. Yeah. Fruit's no good. You eat vegetables. I uh, I think you're right about the fruit. I love fruit, and uh, it's <laughs> it shows. It shows. Well, Naked Cowboy, what a treat. Wasn't expecting your call. NakedCowboy.com. Check out NakedCowboy.com. And, uh, of course, you see him in Times Square all the time. Naked Cowboy, thanks for calling in. Uh, do it again, okay? Thank you, sir. All right. All the best to you. Um, he used to come on the Good Day Show quite a bit. Nice guy and uh, passionate, passionate, and has certainly done a lot of reading. All right, give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, wrapping up. Got to get ready for the Newsmax show on this uh, August, August, August. Notice all the primaries are in August. It wasn't always like that. 20 years ago, all these August primaries were in September. They don't want people voting. They really don't. The powers that be, Democrats especially. All right, some folks waiting for a long time on the on the phone here. Oh, shucks. The woman who was waiting the longest, sorry about that. We just lost her. I don't blame her. She was on hold for a million years. Anyway, Barbara standing by in Huntington. Barbara. Yes, hi. I loved hearing your little girl's voice. And it reminded me when you were talking about her throwing her breakfast, it reminded me of something Thomas Sowell said about my daughters and about yours, that each new generation born is, in effect, an invasion of civilization by little barbarians who must be civilized before it's too late. And you are certainly civilizing your little girl. I can hear it in her voice. That's amazing. But you know what? We have people like the comedian you were talking about today, like Mayor Eric Adams, who never became civilized. They are not part of a civil, moral society. Whereas President Ford and what he did for the country, and I'm so glad you you played those quotes. Uh, it almost had me in tears. There is a civilized, moral adult and that's what we want our children to become, civilized, moral adults. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I was affected, too, by, by Gerald Ford. That was, that was something else. Actually, give me the last Gerald Ford quote. Thank you, Barbara. Listen to this one more time. Gerald Ford about mercy, showing mercy. This is 1974, and he's showing mercy to the most uh, reviled person of that year, Richard Nixon. Go ahead. The facts as I see them are that a former president of the United States, instead of enjoying equal treatment with any other citizen accused of violating the law, would be cruelly and excessively penalized either in preserving the presumption of his innocence or in obtaining a speedy determination of his guilt in order to repay a legal debt 
to society. All right, I want to play the the other one, the the the, the cut twenty one, if you don't mind, cut twenty one. I do believe, with all my heart and mind and spirit, that I, not as president, but as a humble servant of God, will receive justice without mercy if I fail to show mercy. Isn't that great? What a man, right, Barbara? That is amazing. We need more men like that. Where are they? Bring them out. Bring right. out Lee Zeldin. Yeah. Bring back President Trump. Hey, Ray Man Kelly. Ray Kelly is endorsing Lee Zeldin. Barbara, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mark and Yonkers. Yes, Mark. Hey, Greg, do you find it weird that this guy, Mayor Adam, parties at a club called Zero Bond, as in cashless bail policy? Zero Bond. That's the name of the club. Can you believe that? I never uh, – <laughs> it's interesting. I never made that uh, – I got to say, Zero Bond sounds like a – a cool name. I thought it was like had something to do with the address. Isn't it on Bond Street? But anyway, the guy is clearly up to no good and shouldn't be there. Mark, thank you very much. Bob in Brooklyn. Yes, Bob. Hi, listen, I'm a retired NYPD detective. I had a front row seat to Eric Adams' uh, racial reckless antics. Uh, if Curtis had uh, foiled his New York City transit police records from the New York City Transit Authority, he would have seen actual crimes. Like, circa 1991, we had uh, flyers placed in our mailboxes from a fictitious white supremacist police organization called the Blue Order. The letters were traced by the FBI back to Eric Adams' brother's typewriter rib in the Midtown North. Where he so I think, Bob, Bob, we talked about this before. I have not been able to verify that. I wish I could. It's a f- one hot story if it's true. You called before, and I like you got to, you know, like I, this is you weren't able to try. I, I, I'll check it out again. I do remember the last time you called. Thanks, Bob. I'm going to check that out. Max in Manhattan. Max in Manhattan. Oh, we lost Max. All right, Carmine in Long Island. Hello. Hey, Greg, I'm on Route 110, your famous place. I'm so proud of you, what you just said to the naked cowboy. I sent you a book on Proverbs about three weeks ago. Talk about bonding with your your listeners, like your wife just said. I want you to, it's, it's an important book. I want you to have it. I want to tell you how to read it. All right. Th- th- thank Proverbs. you. I, I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I, I, I got some mail. I got a, you know, I, uh, I haven't seen it yet. I'll be looking for it. Hey, what, and thanks for saying that. I love the naked cowboy. I love everybody. But what, what, what was it about what I said that, because, uh, you know, it's interesting getting into those kinds of conversations. What'd you think about what, I, what, what was it? Well, listen, you know, I go to Eastgate Church in North Massapequa, and you would love it. Our worship team would win America's Got Talent. You you would love it, Greg. Come on down one day. Well, it's kind of far away. I don't know if I can make it, but um, what was it about the Naked Cowboy and our conversation that stood out? Well, he's deceived, and you were bold, but you handled it very well. I'm so proud of you, Greg. I really do. I really am. Well, I got chills. Thank you. Thank you so much, because, you know, you never know when you talk about religion. And quite frankly, I brought it up and he was respectful. But uh, I appreciate it, Carmine, so much. And uh, well, to be continued, everybody, I'll be on the Newsmax show tonight at 10. Carmine, thanks for the book. I'll be looking for it. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network.